Well, as you can see, the, the halls have been decked and we're ready for Christmas morning when this podcast is dropping. If you celebrate Christmas, I hope you have a merry one. If you don't celebrate Christmas, then I wish you a happy Ricky Henderson's birthday. And for everyone, what else can you do on December 25th but to come downstairs, look at the presents laid out, and say it's time to listen to Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Merry Christmas, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Where's my lower third? Where did that go? Uh, ho, 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 ho. There it is. You can call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for over the past decade. and. When the New Year's comes about, just next week, I'll be beginning my fifth year as a podcaster on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at Lockdown MLB Pods. Uh, I'm your pal Sully. You can follow me at Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. And please subscribe to us on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And <clears throat> you know what? Um, I'm not a very religious guy. I've, I've made that point. I, whatever your religion is, whatever you celebrate, um, I, I hope you're just having a wonderful day today. And this is a time, I think, for getting together with family, for sort of celebrating the people that you love in your life and just saying goodbye to this year. Now, it can be Christmas celebration. It could be the winter solstice. It could be any form of celebration. <clears throat> as long as you go, I hope it didn't wake anyone. I don't really wake anyone. By the way, I just, uh, as you can see right there, there's our chimney. There's the stocking held with care. And I just slid down the chimney and said, I am giving you the present of a podcast on Christmas morning. Ho, ho, and ho. Now, look at it sometimes seems a little banana boat to say I'm going to be talking about baseball on Christmas. But do you know what? That to me is, this is the time you need a baseball podcast. This is the time when, you know, the, the weather outside might be frightful or maybe it's not. But we all kind of miss baseball because, you know, it's still a little bit too long for thinking about, you know, truck day and pitchers and catchers reporting the, but we've been too far removed from the excitement of the World Series and the feeding frenzy of the offseason. Although, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll wake up and we'll see that Carlos Correa went somewhere else. I, I don't know what, what the hay is going on there. But I know at some point every Christmas, as long as I can remember, my mind has gone to baseball. Now, I'll tell you one reason is, is that inevitably someone gets me a baseball-related Christmas present. That's been the case since I was a kid. Whether it's a book, I always get baseball books, and I love reading baseball books. Or sometimes it's a new, you know, there was a period of time where every year I got a new Red Sox hat. 
because I wore my Red Sox hat all the time, and I wore it out by the end of the year. It looked all kind of nasty and mangled by the end of the year, and I would open up the box and put on my new hat. It'd be pretty cool. And, you know, when the Red Sox won the World Series in 04, uh, I got a lot of, you know, Red Sox World Series champion, you know, uh, sweatshirts and T-shirts. When the Red Sox uh, won in the pennant in 86, nearly winning the World Series, I remember I got a great uh, Red Sox warm-up jacket. Maybe if you're a fan of Cheers, it's the type that uh, um, Sam Malone wore with the two Red Sox on it. I loved it. I think I think I still have it somewhere here. And one of the single great, I, I think about the greatest Christmas presents I ever got in my life. The Millennium Falcon was one for those of us who grew up in the late seventies, early eighties, obsessed with star Wars, getting the Millennium Falcon was amazing. Uh, when I was 20 something, my mom and dad got me a really great video camera, not just a camcorder, but like a professional level video camera, which I use like crazy. In fact, I used that exact camera, uh, to shoot a couple of segments on The Daily Show with John Stewart when I was a producer there. And, but the other great present I got was the baseball encyclopedia. Twice I got the baseball encyclopedia as a present. And it's, it's kind of difficult to articulate the significance of the baseball encyclopedia in, a, in an internet world. But for an obsessive baseball fan like your pal Sully, it was a, it was like getting all of baseballreference.com, the single greatest website in the history of planet Earth, printed out and on your desk. And I remember I, my mother, uh, and my mother plays a very large part in my development as a baseball fan. My mother had in her childhood room in Bridgeport, Connecticut, a lot of baseball books from the, from being a baseball fan in the 1950s. And so I read books on Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth. My mom was a Yankee fan, Casey Stengel. And I would be you know, consuming these books of baseball history. And she had a copy of the baseball encyclopedia that went all the way up to, I believe, 1955 or 1956. And you know, the Brooklyn Dodgers still existed in that. And the, um, the New York Giants were still in there. And they were the Kansas City A's. And... I would just read through it and find players and look at players and consume their stats when I'm about eight, nine, ten years old. In fact, we our family lived in Europe for a couple of years where the, we couldn't get baseball broadcasts, but I would be just pounding through this baseball encyclopedia, like learning every fact, except the baseball world ended in 1955. And my dad made call after call. This is pre-Amazon, pre-Barnes and Noble. There was no bookstores in Switzerland selling anything about baseball. And my father got a hold of a baseball encyclopedia. We were there in 1981 of the newest edition that went all the way up to 1979. And I got that for Christmas. And when I opened that up, it was knowledge. It was what happened after 1955, player-wise? Uh, it, it gave re- recaps of every single World Series, you know, and, and all-star games and, and transactions. And when I opened that up, I got a lot of really nice presents. I was, what, uh, I was, I think, 10 years old. A lot of really wonderful presents. Nothing 
came within a thousand yards of opening that up and being able to read everything that happened over a 21 year stretch or 20 something, whatever it was. 20, a quarter of a century of baseball was introduced to me that I then just sort of just consumed. And every they, they didn't release the baseball encyclopedia every year. So it would be they would do updates on it. And then there'd be a new one released every three or four years. It's kind of like the World Cup or the Olympics. And now we live in a baseballreference.com world where all the stats and everything are updated almost in real time. But then if you want to see someone's statistics, you want to see how they did in the World Series, you want to see who they were traded for, you went to the baseball encyclopedia and you looked it up. I remember when I lived with my cousin David for a little while, he is also a rabid baseball fan, and we would go through this. was just before the internet boom, so this must have been 94, 95. And we would go through the baseball encyclopedia and read entries. And to this day, and I have that, the the baseball encyclopedia that I got that Christmas, the Christmas of, uh, of 1981. And I still have my mom's that went up to 1955 and a couple of the updates. Now we don't need them anymore. It's like the phone book. You don't need them anymore. We have baseballreference.com. But to imagine opening up a present for someone who just loves baseball history, who wants to consume all of it, who want, I, at that point, at age nine or 10 years old, I just wanted to consume every morsel of baseball history and shove it into my brain. And to have it, it was basically chopped off at the Dodgers finally winning the World Series in 55. What happened since? What happened since? And you read about Clemente and the A's winning three straight and the Bill Mazeroski home run and the impossible dream of the Red Sox and the Miracle Mets and Brooks Robinson and all these wonderful careers, Bob Gibson, Sandy Koufax, just exploded onto there right down to the players who were still playing. That blew my mind that there were players in the baseball encyclopedia who were still playing when I got it. It's a wonderful feeling. And it was at the top of my wish list. And on this Christmas episode, I'm going to talk about some other wishes that I've made that are baseball related. But first, let's talk a little bit about bet online. That's right. No better way to spend your Christmas than to think about gambling. BetOnline is the number one source for all your sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends from every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college football season, basketball, the World Cup. We've got it all at BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online is where the game starts. We are continuing our Christmas edition of Locked On MLB. Uh, I've printed out here uh, uh, something that I had written uh, a few years ago. Uh, Marcel, who we're speaking of Switzerland, speaking about baseball in Switzerland, my good friend Marcel, who is the uh, goes by Cubs fan. Uh, Cubs fan is his uh, handle, except the instead of a B, it's an eight. I just call him Cubs fan with an eight. Um, he's my good friend. We have met in person. We went to a Giants game together. Rabid, rabid, rabid baseball fan in Switzerland. 
Uh, can you imagine Marcel being in Switzerland in 1981 trying to follow everything? It was hard to do. I found a way to do it. Um, he's been one of my loyal fans for the past, oh, geez, for probably a decade from before. He predates my Locked On MLB shows. Um, he reminded me that in December of 2019, as the 2010s were coming to a close, I made a wish list for the 2020s. Now, <laughs> remember when we thought 2019 and 2018 were rough years? We had no idea what was on the horizon, did we? The idea of a pandemic, the idea of this, the idea of that. I'm not getting political here. I just think no matter where you stand on anything, it's been a really tough couple of years for everybody. And I could not have imagined the ways that affected baseball. If you had told me that the Dodgers would have defeated the Tampa Bay Rays in Texas in front of cardboard fans, that's weird. That is weird. But we're not talking about that weirdness. We're going to talk about the things that going into the decade, I wrote a big long list of things that I wanted to see before the 2020s were over. And Marcel wrote me that said, now we've gone through, this will be the end of three years of this decade, if we're starting the decade at 2020, and I do, um, three years of this decade, how are we doing with my wish list? And I thought it would be an interesting thing to do here on Christmas morning, as we, you know, for those of you who celebrate it, you've opened your presents, you've had your cocoa, you've had some you know, gingerbread house, and if you don't celebrate, this is something first, we can all <clears throat> unite on this. This is a copy of my wish list that I made, and let's go through some of them, some of the things that have happened or not. I wanted the Red Sox to win a World Series in the 2020s. Well, so far that hasn't happened. They got to within two wins of a World Series in 2021, and now they've completely dismantled their what looked like was going to be a glorious team. But if I know anything about the Red Sox, they'll probably turn things around eventually. I hope that does happen. Um, and I said, I hope that the Yankees don't win a World Series. For those of you who accuse me of bias, yeah, I'm biased for the Red Sox and against the Yankees. So sue me. I'm a native New Englander. And so far, three years into this decade, no Yankee World Series title. We are three years into the second consecutive decade where the Yankees don't even appear in a World Series. I'm just stating facts. Facts aren't biased. I said the Indians win a World Series. Now, keep in mind, they were called the Indians then. They are now the Guardians. Um, I, you know, they they have a really good team, a really young team, and a team that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to have an episode coming up with uh, Justin and Jeff of Lockdown Guardians. Where we talk about how the team I think could be a real big pennant contender if they just spend a little bit of money. But um, you know, so far that's. Uh, that's a non-starter. <clears throat> I wanted Mike Trout to win a World Series ring. And boy, oh boy, not only have the Angels not been in the playoffs since 2014, but they are on a run of losing seasons. Forget winning a World Series. Can you get to 500? You have the single most exciting player of his generation alongside Shohei Otani. Do you think you'd be able to put, I don't know, a mediocre team around him? Okay, but we have the first one that is checked off that I wanted to see happen this decade. I wanted to see Clayton Kershaw win a World Series ring. And frankly, I didn't care where he won it from. 
Now, the 2020 World Series was weird. It was strange. It didn't quite feel like the World Series, but it was the World Series. It was. Ironically, I was talking about 1981 earlier when we were living in Europe and I was begging for a new baseball encyclopedia. Who won the World Series that year? The Dodgers. And it was a weird World Series because it was the strike year. And actually, the Reds won more games overall than the Dodgers did. But the Reds didn't make the playoffs. The Dodgers did. It was a weird World Series. But that was the World Series that was played that year. And Fernando and Steve Garvey and Ron Say and Steve Yeager and Pedro Guerrero and all of them won it. So you can't take that away from them. And you can't take away Kershaw's World Series ring, of which, by the way, he pitched very, very well. He got two wins. And frankly, I felt Dave Roberts pulled him too soon. A lot of managers pulled their, man- their pitches too soon. Roberts got away with it. Cash didn't. Now, I wanted to see, I mean, you're seeing that I wanted to see a Red Sox, a Cleveland, a Dodgers, and Angels. Now, I want to see a Pirates World Series. I would love to see the Pirates win the World Series. I've always had a soft spot in my heart for them. Ever since the first World Series I have a real memory of, using the Rule 7, was the 1979 World Series, the We Are Family Pirates against the Orioles. I'd like to see the Pirates win the World Series. It's my wish list. Um, by the way, right, right, right now, that's five teams. I'm wishing the Red Sox, Cleveland, Angels, Dodgers, and Pirates win World Series. Okay. Uh, one out of four there. I wonder how many more I get to win a World Series here. Um, this one's not going to happen unless a real weird Carlos Correa-like turn of events takes place. Uh, Billy Bean and Bob Melvin win a World Series for the eight. So that's six World Series I won. Uh, Melvin's gone. Bean, I don't know what's going to happen there. But we never got to see a Bob Melvin A's World Series title. Um, I said I want to see the Padres win a World Series. Okay, that's that's seven World Series requests. We may see that one. We may see that one, the way they're putting their team together. That, that could be coming around. And that could be Bob Melvin's World Series right there. Uh, the Mariners, I said, I want them to win the pennant. I guess I've got a little less ambitious with the Mariners than some of the other teams. I just want to see them in the World Series. I want to have seen every franchise make at least one World Series. And, you know, Mariners are putting together quite a team. Then I have two teams that have never won a division title, and I want to see them win a division title. I want to see the Marlins win a division title, and I want to see the Rockies win a division title. Now, with the Mets... Spending like drunken sailors, the Phillies defending World Series champ, or, um, nationally champs, and the Braves two years removed from a World Series title. Um, I think it's pretty safe to say that the Marlins are not at the top of the list of teams that are about to finish in first place. But this decade is still pretty young, and there are things that be surprising. I would like to see the Rockies win a division title, too. The Rockies came so close one game a few years ago from winning a division title. I like think I like to see things for the first time, check some things off. Marlins and the Rockies have never won, never finished the season in first place. No other team, there's no franchises that haven't finished first place at least once. The Rays certainly have a few times. Diamondbacks have, but the expansion brothers of 1993. The Marlins and the Rockies have never finished in first. Now, of course, the Marlins have won two World Series along the way, and the Rockies have won a pennant for their troubles. But we've never seen a first-place finish there. I'd like to see that. That's on my wish list. Could that happen in 2023 for either team? 
boy, you'd have to put a lot, you'd get a lot of money back at Bet Online, and I am not going to do another ad read for them. And a couple of these other ones are uh, more philosophical, but I'd like to see Cuba open up big time for baseball. I would like to see not a trickle of players coming from Cuba, but a tidal wave. How there's a giant stream of players coming from the Dominican Republic, from Venezuela, from Puerto Rico. I'd like to see that happen with Cuba. Some of the greatest players, I'm convinced, some of the greatest players of the last bunch of generations never got to play in the major leagues because of the embargo with Cuba and everything like that. We've seen a smattering of stars and a smattering of players come over. But what about the role players? What about the players with grit in their gut? Who wears the Cuban Paul O'Neill type who is just, you know, plays super hard and diving for balls and everything like that? It's not just the stars. I want to open up baseball so all the best players, no matter where they're from, get to flourish, which brings us to another wish that I have here. And it just says, a superstar emerges from an unexpected country. One of the way that baseball is going to grow globally is if a national hero pops up and makes it in the major leagues. I've been saying an Irish star would... You, if a star came out of Ireland, you wouldn't be able to keep the, the shirts on the shelves in Boston. But there are countries... You know, there's a few countries in the Caribbean and South America that are slow to produce major leaguers. But in Europe, in Africa, in the Middle East, and in India, to have that feeling of making it a global game, part of it means you have to have global stars. We just finished the World Cup a few weeks ago, and you saw there were star athletes from all over the world, and it made it an exciting experience. Baseball can do that in, in a lesser way, but I want to see a big star emerge from a country who has never had a big star before. It's Christmas Day. I'm going through my wish list that I made and see where we are so far. Uh, this wish that I made back then, the stadium situation in Oakland and Tampa be resolved. Um, I don't want to see either team move, but I get the feeling that Oakland's going to. It may have been a mistake putting the team in Oakland in the first place from Kansas City sharing the San Francisco Bay market instead of having their own market at the time, big markets like Dallas and San Diego and Seattle did not have a team yet. Neither did Denver, uh, neither did Miami. There was a bunch of places the A's could have moved to and they chose Oakland. And I love the Oakland A's. I love the feeling of going to Oakland A's games. It's like a carnival and the fans who are there love their team. The San Francisco Bay area may not be big enough for two teams. It may be a one-team area. And we're going to talk a little bit about the travails of what, you know, how the A's got there from Philadelphia in a later podcast. But, you know, I hope they make a stadium there because I do love the A's. But if they can't, I really hope it's not Las Vegas. I really hope because I think that baseball can work in Nashville I think it work in Portland. I think there's a couple of other markets that could work in that just, I just don't think Vegas is the right place for it. Now, the Rays, the Rays have a fan base. They do. They have great TV ratings. They got great, you know, media ratings. The, the stadium, which was built in the 1980s, is in the wrong place. 
They need a downtown stadium. The Tampa Bay market supports the Lightning. They support the Buccaneers. They'll support the Rays if the stadium's in the right place. And, you know, ticket sales are not necessarily the only metric to determine whether or not a fan base is there. They watch the games like crazy. They haven't had a chance. Remember, people thought the Giants couldn't succeed in San Francisco. They almost moved two or three times. They didn't think Seattle could work. Then they put the ballpark in the right place, and now, boom, the Giants do very, very well. Thank you very much. So does Seattle. I think Tampa Bay can if they have a shot with the right stadium. I hope they don't move. If they do move, you know, Nashville, Charlotte are definitely places. And people talk about Montreal. I think baseball needs an expansion too. I think with, I mean, I think they need to expand to 32 teams and create four regional divisions, which brings us to baseball expanding to Montreal. I want a team in Montreal. I do. Now, whether or not it would be a success or not, I'm not sure. I just miss Montreal baseball. It was exotic. It was it felt kind of weird. It was French. It felt almost European. I love the Expos universe. If they put a team there, don't say the Alouettes or any BS like that. The Expos. Bring back the Expos. Find a way to make it work. Um, a couple have come true here. The Padres get a no-hitter. I predicted that one. Thank you, Joe Musgrove, for making me go viral on Twitter. And the Mets get a no-asterisk no-hitter. What I mean by that is their only no-hitter in their team's history when this list was made was Johan Santana's no-hitter. But everyone who watched it knows that if there was instant replay then, a ball that was called foul was clearly fair. But there was no instant replay back then. So it was called foul. Someone got a hit off of him. And the umpire blew the call. And that kind of, look, at it was a wonderful moment when Johan Santana got it, but we all know he really didn't do it. Well, they got one this year, the, the McGill com combined no-hitter. And no, I don't put an asterisk on a combined no-hitter. That's still a no-hitter, okay? Yes, a franchise that had the likes of uh, Seaver and Nolan Ryan, Dwight Gooden and David Cohn, who all threw no-hitters for other franchises. It's amazing that they didn't get a no-hitter that didn't have a cloud on it until this year. But hey, they did. So that one is checked off too. Uh, I'd like to see a female player break the gender barrier. I think that's the next great frontier in professional sports. I'd like to see it happen. Uh, is it going to happen? I don't know. I don't know, but I'd love to see it happen. I'd love to witness that happening and maybe happen this decade. Uh, personally, I wanted to see the Red Sox develop an ace, a real legit ace. But uh, that's not that. They're not developing anyone right now. They're not, they, don't have, they don't have a rudder right now. So uh, I guess I'll have to wait a few years for that one. And no doubt they'll trade that ace away to save a couple of bucks on the luxury tax. Uh, I want to see the stolen base. Return is part of the game. We talk about pace of play all the time. And people always conflate pace of play with time of game. They're not the same thing. They're two different things. And part of pace of play is speed and having excitement on the base paths. And that includes bringing back the stolen base. I hope that comes back. I miss the stolen base. 
But Sully, it's a risky move. Yeah, and risks are exciting. When you watch a Fast and Furious movie and think, well, put your seatbelts on, your hands at 10 and 2 o'clock, and don't go over the speed limit. You like risks. Risks are fun. Stolen bases are risky. They're fun. Bring them back. I miss it. Makes the game more exciting. Um, I wanted to see an extra inning World Series Game 7 without Cleveland. Cleveland Indians are the only team in the wild card era to lose Game 7 of the World Series in extra innings, and they've done it twice, 1997 and 2016. I want to see Game 7 of the World Series go into extras, and I don't want Cleveland anywhere near it because we all know what's going to happen if Cleveland's in Game 7 of the World Series. So, yeah, there's that. Um, we haven't had that yet. We haven't had a World Series Game 7 this decade. Uh, uh, we've had three Game 6s. L.A., Tampa, uh, Houston, Atlanta, Philadelphia, Houston. But none of them have gone to Game 7. I want to see a rookie clinch the World Series. We haven't had that yet. A rookie pitcher on the mound jumping up and down as the champion. I just think that's cool when that happened. Happened in back-to-back years in the 2000s with Bobby Jenks and Adam Wainwright. I wanted to have a wow World Series game. One that makes you, whoa, did you see that? I think we got it with that wild rally uh, off of Kenley Jansen in game four of the World Series with Tampa and Los Angeles. Everything felt strange, that World Series. The game was played in Arlington, and you know it wasn't the home crowd thing and everything. But that game itself was pretty tremendous. There were some good games. There was a game, one of the World Series this year was wild. We had a no, combined no-hitter, which was a bit of a wow factor. But I do think Game 4 of 2020 is the closest thing we've got to that. The 2021 World Series between Atlanta and Houston, the games were good, but there wasn't a classic in those. So we've had this year Game 1, which was that wild back-and-forth affair between the Phillies and the Astros. That was a lot of fun, and the no-hitter was a lot of fun. Game 4, the comeback off of Kenley Jansen, is probably the best World Series game so far. Not quite sure I'm going to put it up the level of, say, Game 6, 2011, Game 7, 2016, the 18-inning marathon between Los Angeles and Boston. You know, there have been some uh, the the Madison Bumgarner coming out in Game 7 in 2014. There have been some classic World Series games uh, in the past decade. We're starting to brew. There, there have been some very good ones. Not sure I have one up at that level yet. Um couple of the last ones. A pitcher, preferably reliever, wins 30 games. Now, I sound like a little bit of a hypocrite because I don't really care for wins as a stat, but I would like to see the 30-win mark just as a curiosity and just to see people panic of what to do. And I would love it if it was a reliever who picked up 30 wins vulture style over the course of the year. Um, a playoff game ends with a guy leaping over the fence and bringing back a homer. You've seen that clip of uh, Ken Griffey Jr. leaping up and catching it and bringing it back, or the Andy Chavez. I want to see a World Series game, or or at least or just a postseason game, end with a guy bringing back a home run. Haven't seen it yet. Looking forward to that. Uh, I want to see Pete Alonso and Aaron Judge face off against each other by being the best in New York throughout the decade. And you know what? 
it looked like for a second Judge was going to sign with San Francisco, but he's back with New York and he's going to be there for the rest of the decade. And I want to see Pete Alonso, who had a fine season this year, not an MVP caliber season, but a fine season. I want to see the two of them, you know, be the, are you a Pete guy? Are you an Aaron guy? Pete Alonso, homegrown Mets star. Aaron Judge, homegrown Yankees star. This could be fun. We're probably not going to see my next one, but I still would love to see it. A day World Series game. Come on, do one. A Saturday afternoon. A day game. Game one of the World Series on a Saturday. Have it be start at three in the afternoon on the East Coast. Come on, let's do it. Do it once. Come on, do a matinee World Series. Let's see some World Series highlights when it's when it's still daylight on. Just once. It hasn't happened. The last time it happened was 1987. But that was in the Minnesota Metrodome. So last time we had a day game, it was indoors. Come on, just give us one. But so far, my last one I have on my wish list here looks like it's going to come true. Zero work stoppages. Now, technically, we had a lockout at the beginning of this year, and the season began late. But we still got a 162-game season. So I guess we had a work stoppage here, but we didn't lose any games. And that, to me, is the... That's the key. We got a full season. We got a full slate. And if people looking back at this season, like I did when I was going through my baseball encyclopedia, would probably go, oh, I guess the season started late that year. Yeah, it did. But we got all 162, and everybody was happy. And now we've got a collective bargaining agreement for the next few years. So come on, let's do it. An entire decade. Let's avoid that happening again. So there's still a lot of my wish list to go. It's a wish list. But I think some of them can happen. And when some of them happen, I'm going to gleefully check them off. I want to thank my dear friend Marcel for reminding me of that. Because, you know, I do like like nearly 300 of these a year. I've done over 1,500 episodes in the last decade or so between this and the old Sully Baseball show. So what I'm saying is this. Um... I sometimes forget some of the shows I do. And if there's a show that I've done in the past that you really like and would like me to revisit, let me know. I, I the, the the good folks at the Lockdown Podcast Network haven't hired an archivist yet for me. But thanks so much for listening and having me go through this wish list. I hope you, if you're with family, I hope you're having a wonderful day. And by the way, family doesn't necessarily have to be in blood. It could be the people who make you feel loved and make you feel warm. And I want to wish you a happy holidays, a Merry Christmas. And if you don't want any of those things said to you, we can all agree to have a happy Ricky Henderson's birthday. Thanks so much for making Locked On MLB your first listen today. Make Locked On Sports Today your second listen. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked On Sports Today podcast is available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Wishing you the happiest December 25th, whichever way you celebrate it. This has been Locked On MLB. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. Ho, ho, ho.